Welcome back to CHGO Bears After Dark, presented by DraftKings. Make sure you use the code CHGO when you sign up. We're back home, finally, Corey. Back from Viva Las Vegas. A long, a long week in the Sin City. Uh, only a few sins committed. Only some of them we might be able to share on air. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How about you and Burt Kreischer? That one was classic, man. I, I, I think I think that might have been the best one yet. Honestly. I was waiting for you to roast me on Twitter over this because I know I've been talking a lot of shit about you know how fit I'm getting, and I don't think yeah, that, that I don't think that showed as well as I was hoping on on the I, air. I, I don't want to body shame you, bro. So you know, <laughs> I just, you don't no, want to body shame me. You're constantly making fun of my pythons. What are we talking about here? Yeah, yeah your, your arms. I mean, it, <laughs> you know, I, I think um, you know one thing you should just do every time you go to the weight room is do arms, then do some more arms, and then maybe <laughs> do some more arms. Because I tell you, boy, literally, I probably had the same size arms as you probably in fifth grade. Um, <laughs> and I used to be skinny, but well, <laughs> you know what? You know, putting me up against an NFL great, a Chicago Bears legend in in yourself that's not a fair fight for me but i'm working on it Corey. and i promise by the summer at some point this year this calendar year you're gonna go damn brags you're worried so yes i ripped my shirt off with burt kreischer it was a great moment uh but you're gonna see the gains at some point you're gonna see the gains so i'm not afraid to uh show off what i've been working on so far i trust me a year ago it was much worse i probably wouldn't have ripped my shirt off at that point so we're getting hey, there. It's all about self-confidence, man. Whatever gets you to the right place, baby. <laughs> well, I have no short of confidence. That's for damn sure. Uh, appreciate everybody here hanging out uh, tonight. Make sure you hit that like button and subscribe when you sign up. If you haven't already, sign up to become a diehard. Uh, we're doing a lot of special things, including you know the Bears 100 draft guide that Adam Hogue and, and the whole CHGO Bears team is going to be putting out to get you ready for this upcoming NFL draft, with which is just 73 days away. That is exclusive to diehards only. Adam Hogue also rele releases a newsletter every week uh, that's exclusive to you guys. You'll hang out in our Discord channels uh, where we uh, talk to you guys one-on-one -on -one and hang out uh, you know, in, in our discord spaces, our voice channels, as they call it. Uh, so you got a lot of different exclusive access that you won't get otherwise, unless you become a diehard and you get a free shirt right out the gate, some pretty cool swag, uh, in our CHGO locker that is available to you. So let's get into it. Cause there was a lot going on here this last week. It was a lot of fun. My first time ever covering the super bowl. Uh, and of course it's gotta be in Vegas. So that, that ups the ante about tenfold. Uh, but at the same time, there was a lot of really, really cool news that came across, uh, you know, the, the waiver wire during the week. And then of course, Super Bowl 58 last night, and we'll react to it all. But Corey, I got to start out with our guy, Devin Hester. We talked about it before we left, uh, hall of fame class of 2024, Devin, anytime Hester, the windy city flyer, you are ridiculous. Mr. Devin Hester finally dons the gold jacket here come August when we all go to Canton. What are your thoughts when you heard the news drop? I'm happy for him. Great dude, great player. I have so many fond memories of playing with him for four years in Chicago. First-class person, the way he carried himself, his work ethic. Um, just unbelievable. Really changed the game, the return game. And I know, I know our buddy Carm has hated on him from the beginning about everything, but – it's undeniable. Literally, when you say returner, the name that pops up is Devin Hester. He's the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Um, people he changed the game. People kicked away from him. Uh, unbelievable what he did on that, on that Super Bowl Sunday um, playing against the Colts. Opening kickoff, took it to the house. That's what he could do on any given play. And I, just imagine if they kicked him the ball a little bit more because, you know, towards the end of his career, they really weren't kicking it to him. Um, and he still was able to make such an impact. So awesome to see him get in. Um, now, how old were you? How old were you when Devin Hester returned the opening kickoff of the Super Bowl? Where were you at in your I was, career? I was a freshman at uh, Northwestern. Freshman at Northwestern. Yeah. So you were in the area, freshman at Northwestern, and then fast forward, and now you're 
help blocking for Devin Hester at the back end of his Chicago Bears career at one point when he breaks the record when you guys clinched the division against the Minnesota Vikings when they had to play outdoors and you of course had one of your most infamous moments in your personal career uh planting Brett Favre into the turf <laughs> what every fan brings up to you every time they come by you but that's also the night that Devin Hester broke the record when you walked out on that field that night, what was that like for you to, you know, all those years ago, watching him return the opening kickoff of the Super Bowl, and now here you are helping block for the greatest greatest kick returner of all time and a guy that was about to break the record while you guys are about to win the division. It, it was unbelievable. It was a great night for Bears players, Bears fans, right, to be able to clinch the division that night for Devin Hester to break the record, for me to have my first sack against Brett Favre, I've never got so many text messages in my life after that night for, for, for those three things and people seeing me be a part of it. And I just remember thinking like, man, it's going to be hard for him to return one in the elements because the field was icy. It was frozen solid. Uh, the footing wasn't great. And for him to be able to do his thing, get in the end zone, I think everybody was so happy for him. And you could talk to anybody that played on the team not a single person would say a bad thing about Devin Hester. I mean, so down to earth, such a great person, um, awesome in the locker room, a leader, uh, special teams wise, and on the offense as well. And uh, yeah, it's, I'm 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 so happy for him because um, honestly, when you think of, of of different players and you just think about how good of a person he was and how good of a player he was, how down to earth he was, because not everybody's like that in the NFL, right? The the faces of franchise, some of the most famous people aren't necessarily like that and right. Devin Hester and you know another guy as well J Julius Peppers who I played with awesome dude as well and you know I know he played most of his career in Carolina but to be able to play with him and you know start opposite him for a few years in Chicago was just unbelievable so having those two having Mo Mongo McMichael who obviously I didn't play with he's a lot older than me but I I did a couple events with him we did a, uh, a PBR event um, back in 2011 so the professional bull riding, they had an event in Chicago. So me and him are at Union Station and we're doing the mechanical bull. And uh, I remember, you know, my, my marketing agent pitched this to my actual football agent. And he was like, okay, it seems like okay, but just don't, don't let him get hurt, all right? And he's like, as soon as Mongo gets off, wh whatever that is, just jump off after that. So Mongo goes, he goes for like two, two three seconds. So I'm like, oh, this is gonna be easy. So I go, you know, three seconds, Pops by, I tell the guy, I'm like, hey, you know, as soon as, soon as I, I stop the thing. So three seconds goes by. He cranks the thing up, the guy operating the mechanical bolt. <laughs> and I'm going as fast. I'm like, oh, my. I'm like, I'm about to break something. So I had to jump it off, and I land. And I just remember being like, oh, I'm okay. And my agent's right there. He's like, <sighs> but I just remember, <laughs> I just remember at that event. You know, Mongo takes the mic and just like when he was a wrestler, you know, just the personality, the charisma, just an awesome person. He was funny. And it, it's such a shame, um, you know, what, what has happened to him with the ALS and battling that. That's an unfortunate situation. Um, but but such an awesome person. And honestly, he got in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. Think about in his era when he played. It was a run heavy. Most offenses were run heavy. He was able to get 95 sacks as a defensive tackle in that era, playing in that 4-6 scheme. Like, unbelievable what he was able to do. So, you know, I think I think he should have been in a long time ago. Yep. And, and obviously, it's glad that he got in better late than ever. But just an awesome per person. And, you know, that just keeps adding to the number of Bears in the Hall of Fame. I think it's 39 now. Wow. So it's unbelievable to see. Um, uh, hopefully, they'll continue that. Hopefully, a guy like Lance Briggs will get in. Uh, Peanut Tillman. And I know people might say, well, what? Matt Forte, too. He deserves some consideration. I really do. He was arguably the one of the best all-purpose backs for yep. a good chunk of se six, seven years in the league. I mean, unbelievable what he was able to do. Great leader. Um, so hopefully some of those guys, you know, a guy like Olin Krutz as well, um, a guy that deserves there. Jay Hillenberg, um, he's a guy that deserves to be in there as well. So hopefully some of these guys will get some consideration. Um, but you know it is with centers, man. They don't get any love. You know, Kelsey's going to be a first ballot just because of everything with him and his brother and the press that they get. But I, I think centers and I, some offensive linemen deserve some more love. 
Yeah, uh, you're definitely right there. It's weird how they pick and choose what spots are Hall of Fame worthy. I think Jack Silverstein told us that only four centers are in the Hall of Fame. That doesn't seem to add up when you talk about being the foundation of your offensive line, the guy that gets everybody lined up and gets the ball snapped. You're the greatest at your position, just like a returner. You belong in the Hall. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot there to unpack. I certainly want to go around the horn with each guy and, and ask some personal so I really loved that story with Mongo. Um, I wonder if there's a, vi- if there's video evidence of this moment in time, because I would pay good money for this video. <laughs> now the video has been deleted from the archive. <laughs> gone. My agent got rid of it. He didn't want the bears to see you, it. Uh, you got to have to get me in been... touch with your agent. Cause I don't know if I buy this. I, I feel the nervousness and I need the bull riding evidence, video evidence. That sounds like oh, a special moment. It, it definitely happened. Um, but yeah, I want to, I want to tell, tell a quick story about peppers. Right. So I remember uh, when I first got drafted on the team, obviously like everybody and their mother knows Julius peppers, right? One of the best defensive ends since he first came to the league. Um, just unbelievable. Like we were similar in size, but for some reason he just looked way bigger than me. I mean, his arms just big as can be. And I, I got some big old arms. Just, just a freak of nature. And the crazy part about it is he very rarely lifted, right? He very rarely lifted weights. He did a lot of played basketball. He did a lot of conditioning. He did a lot of body weight stuff because he got so bulky that he didn't like, he didn't like that feeling of being bold because his thing was athleticism, right? He had natural strength, but he wanted to keep his athleticism. So he really did not work out like lifting traditional weights, you know, power lifting things that you see most offensive defensive linemen do. So that's why it's so impressive to see how strong he was, how freak of nature. Like there is nobody like we could talk about miles Garrett. People say, Oh, he's a freak of nature. No, no, no. Julius peppers is the biggest freak of nature to ever play in the NFL. There is nobody that's six, seven, 300 pounds and can run a four five forty. There, there's nobody like that. Like yeah. unbelievable athleticism. You know, literally the guy was never injured. I think he had an MCL sprain. That was the only injury he ever had. And when he, he had a bum knee with the MCL, he ran down Donovan McNabb, who, who was a guy, that, a mobile guy that can run. Um, so I, I think it's just unbelievable. The athleticism and, yep. you know, you, you've been to training camp and seeing practices. I've never seen somebody, even like, let's say if they got off the ball slow, just their closing speed to be able to get to that tackle. And another another story. So we were playing uh, the Miami Dolphins. Um, and this is at the time where Jake Long was the left tackle. So Jake Long at the time was probably arguably one of the best left tackles in the game, right? You could say top five. Um, and I don't know whatever happened after one play, I think he pushed Peppers from behind. And uh, Peppers, like, you know, r- very rarely got super mad. And he got he got so mad. And I remember he literally had, I think, two or three sacks in a, in a period of, like, a five-play stretch. And I just remember being, I just remember him just turning it on. Like, I was like, holy, this guy is a freaking age. He gave him, like, a hump move. He, he long-arm stabbed him. He beat him around. He did whatever he wanted to him. And he was like, you know, he's literally came to the bench. He's like, I'm out of here, man. I, I I got this dude. And I was just like, I couldn't believe in, in the stretch of, of five plays, just the impact he made. Literally, there was nobody that can block him. Like, there, there's nobody that can block him out there. So it, it's great to see him be in there, you know, first ballot, because he definitely deserved it. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there will ever be a defensive end that's like him. I, I don't ever think there will be. Like, yeah, the only, I mean- only – the only other person that comes to mind as far as freakish size, but didn't have the athleticism or pass rush ability. Um, I think Mario Williams and Mario Williams. I'm, I'm, I'm not getting at his career. I think he was a talented guy and I think he had a great career, but I think just as far as the level of him and Julius peppers, the athleticism, the pass rush ability, I think uh, peppers was, was a little above that. So. Yeah. Um, Herb Howard's in the chat, uh, given the cheers symbol here with his, his, uh, glass of bourbon or whiskey, I'd be a whiskey guy myself. So I appreciate Herb t- uh, tuning in and everybody else. Uh, once again, please hit that like button while you're hanging. Uh, you're hundred percent right. Uh, when I'd go to training camp every year, you know, especially at bourbon a where you had guys like, you know, hall of famers, Brian Urlacher and, and, and Lance Briggs and peanut Tillman and, 
Adewale Agunle and Alex Brown, Tommy Harris, you know, and then the secondary, you know, Mike Brown, you know, like legends guys that I really looked up to as a fan and, and Julius Peppers, when he came in, obviously one of the best free agent signings in Chicago bears history and arguably in Chicago sports history, he lived up to the billing lovey Smith. I can remember took the private jet out to pick him up from Carolina. Like I remember being so excited that day when it sounded like we were going to sign Julius Peppers. Then you go to training camp and he's, you know, when everybody's going down the autograph line after practice is over, I've never stood next to someone like you, to your point, so massive. And this is against you guy, you and, and, and Erlocker and some of the, the, the monsters of the midway, true monsters of the midway. And he was that imposing even next to you guys. I once shook his hand and I'll always say anytime anybody ever asked me like, who's the, the most imposing person you've ever met at training camp or with your bears interactions. And there's no question. It was Julius Peppers. When he shook my hand, it swallowed my hand. Like he, he, I've never shook a hand of somebody that his hand was so big and so strong. And I pride myself on a good handshake. All bricklayers do. And he humbled me real quick. He just showed oh, yeah. the different level of what, what people are capable of. And, and to his point, and I told this story on our after dark last week, um, the night of the induction, but the other story I have with Julius Peppers is when he signed my Jersey. And that was something I always enjoyed doing at camp was getting signed jerseys. I probably have 60 bears signed jerseys. I need yours still woo. You kept, you kept ducking me at training camp, no hard feelings, but, uh, uh, but, but Julius Pepper is actually to his credit. I mean, this guy is a future Hall of Famer. I mean, we pretty much knew that when he got here in Chicago, he didn't just like, uh, and here you go on to the next guy. He like really took his time. He, he was like, Hey, stretch that out, man. Let me make sure I get this good for you. That's what he said to me. And, and then he signed it in like the most delicate way to make sure the signature and like, just for somebody as a fan, no, that sounds silly, but it is a story that did resonate with me. It's something I'll cherish forever as a bears fan. Like I appreciated how he took the time to do right by me, just a singular yeah. fan. He, he did that with everybody. Uh, so all due respect, all the respect to Julius peppers uh, for making it into the hall. Um, you know, I do want to circle back though, to Devin Hester. Cause you, you, I obviously, you know how much I love this guy. He's my favorite Chicago bear of all time. I'll do. I told Tillman the same thing. I'll do respect to you guys. Loved you guys as well. But uh, Devin will always hold, hold a special place in my heart. So I want to keep digging into that a little more. Mm -hmm. Cause I do find it fascinating how you got to play with these guys both of these guys getting into the hall of fame. And you mentioned what a good person he was. And we talked about the night that they clinched. You guys clinched the division. You sack Brett Favre for the first time in your career, plant his ass in the turf. Devin Hester breaks the record. But for me, what I'll always remember about that night was the post game press conference where Devin Hester talked to the media. And honestly, I have chills going down my back right now, thinking about it where he he, he got emotional and started crying, talking about you guys, his teammates. And for me, as someone that cared very deeply for his career, to see how much he cared for you guys, meant it, it elevated my love for him tenfold from that moment on. What, do, you, do you remember that press conference? Did you guys see it? What was the... What was, the conversation between you guys as teammates after seeing what Devin had to say about you. I, I, I think it was awesome to hear. And he was always that type of guy that gave all the credit to, to the guys on special teams, right? Because we essentially were blocking from him and he was real grateful for that. And he always expressed that. And uh, yeah, I, I think it was definitely heartfelt to, to hear him say that. And because we're working our tails off and obviously he has all the talent and natural ability and he's able to make people miss but it is, it is a working effort, right? A group of punt return or kick return, guys working together. And, you know, being able to have Devin make one guy miss, that's what we always said. Dave Tobe, who's now in Kansas City, was our special teams coach. He was like, hey, everybody get on somebody, Devin will make one guy miss. So that was kind of our goal, just block him as long as we can. And, um, yeah, it was just unbelievable to see him that day you know, break that record, especially with the conditions on the field. I don't think people realize how hard it was to run and plant, put your foot in the ground. 
Um, it, it was it was a tough game, but awesome day for Bears fans. And he's the type of guy that literally after every every touchdown return that he would thank us in, in the special teams meeting room. You know, I couldn't have done it without you guys. And that's so refreshing to see because it's always good for somebody to be humble and, and a great player like him, great person. So there, there's not a bad thing that anybody that's ever played with him could ever say. No, hundred percent. I mean, when you talk about the teammates, Brendan, I am stuck out to me. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if was he around? Cause I know he eventually went no. to the Ravens. Yeah, he I was don't, on the Ravens, but yeah, I remember you guys, watching him, him and Izzy Adonijay. Yep. And people don't realize that Izzy Adonijay was a part of a lot of Devin Hester's returns. Yep, yep. So, yep. And then eventually when he became the starter, that's when I kind of went into his role on special teams. I wasn't I wasn't the wedge buster like him, but I played kickoff return. I was a really good hold-up guy on punt return. But people, Israel Adonijay, arguably one of the best special teams players I think we've ever seen being a D tackle slash DN 300 plus pounds running down the field, putting his body on the line before they had all these rules about how, how many people you could have in a wedge. You know, I've right. heard stories about him and I've seen it on, on film of him busting the wedge of three guys, putting his body on the line. And uh, you know, they, they did some damage to him, but that's, that's the type of influence somebody like him had. And for him playing in Canada, coming here, being a special teams guy, working his way up to a starter such a, such a great dude like on those teams when i was a part of everybody there was awesome him peppers tommy harris melton all those guys uh briggs erlacher peanut they, they were just stand-up guys that would that would do whatever to help the next guy and and that's so refreshing and it was yep. it was so awesome i, I don't re i don't think people realize what we had there especially in the defensive unit like there was such a collective unit you know from that from my time there, even before me, you know, the 016, just the defenses that they were able to, to and then 2012 season was top five, you know, leading the league in, in turnovers. And um, it, it was just so fun that year. I, I remember starting that season seven and one thinking, man, we're going to win the Super Bowl. Like we were right. playing that dominant defensively offense. We were playing good enough to win games. And then we finished the season at 10 and six. It was just so unfortunate because we had a championship level defense and unfortunately, they fired Lovey, and I think we haven't quite been the same since. I think with the new regime and, and what they're trying to do defensively, they're starting to build that. They're a couple pieces away, but yep. I'm hoping we can get on that same board, right, to build a championship-type defense. Obviously, the offense is going to continue to improve with whatever decision we make as far as the quarterback and the pieces around the puzzle. But I'm hoping, you know, in the next year or two, you know, this, this Bears team, and I'm hoping next year that they'll compete you know, for a Super Bowl, you know, because the way they were finished the season, they were playing very well. And yep. you think adding some pieces, adding a new coordinator, whoever that quarterback is going to be, is going to elevate whoever, whoever that game is. Yeah. There's no question about it. Um, that they're feeling they've got the vibes, you know, and it's the same style defense, you know, with the Tampa two and, and, and the way they rush the passer. And you, we've talked a lot about this here on this show here uh, every week. And I'll definitely appreciate your insights, but you're hundred percent right. When it came to the teammates, Brandon, I am Israel Adonage, Henry Melton yourself. I had a chance to speak with peanut Tillman on radio row. He played 13 years as a special teamer. You know, this is a guy that arguably should be in the hall of fame. You mentioned it earlier, you know, and, and so, you know, to me, watching you guys be so invested, you know, cause most teams, the special teamers, they're not putting some of their best dogs out there. And yeah. you guys did, you guys valued special teams. And you saw that last night, how important special teams is, you know, Adam Hogue probably should take over this segment of the show. Cause he's a special teams uh, guy, big time. I was always about the returners and then you could miss me with the rest of the special teams talk. But at the same point last night, Special teams won the game for a lot of the, and then lost the game, you know, for the 49ers at one point. And it just shows you the new England Patriots and the Kansas city chiefs and what they've done here over the last 20 years, just how important special teams is. If you want to be the difference between coming up short to win the super bowl and winning the whole damn thing. Exactly. No special teams is such a crucial part. And who is the coach for Kansas City? Dave Tobe, who is Dave who Tobe. is in Chicago with us. What 
I think he's the greatest, one of the greatest special teams coaches to ever coach in the NFL. Just his his game plans, his design, how he gets the effort out of everybody. And back when I played in 2012, you know, I was I was a starter opposite Peppers. And I remember Devin Hester, you know, was talking to Dave Tobe at the time. And he's like, hey, I want Woot on punt return. He's one of our best holdup guys. Because on punt return, so when I was first, you know, my first two years, I realized, hey, I get on the field with punt return, with kick re- kickoff return, kickoff. And so I was like, I was just trying to find a way to get on the field. And they told me, hey, you can hold somebody up inside inside the uh, shoulder pads and literally just hands inside. You could hold them at the line. That's not holding. I was like, oh, bet. So I'm going against <laughs> the linebacker who I'm obviously, it's like me going against you. I'll hold you at the line all day. Um, so I would just go in there and, and hold them up. And so Hester said, hey, you know, hey, Wu, I know you're a starter and I know you probably don't want to play special teams, but hey, can you get out there for me on a couple plays here or there for punt return? I was like, for sure. And hey, I was gassed because, you know, you got to hold somebody up. And then if you don't get them at the line, you got to run with them too. And I'm playing defense. I'm like, hey, whatever I could do to help him out. And such a great dude, you wanted to do whatever for him. And I think that's, you know, even as Israel Donaghy became a starter, he played a little special teams as well because Hester had that type of impact that, you know, regardless of how that might make you tired or this, that, the other, you want to run through a brick wall for him. And I think everybody, you know, he had that impact on everybody. Yeah, 100%. Uh, He certainly had a big impact. Uh, on and off the field with teammates and, and fans alike. And that's definitely how I wanted to start today's show tonight's show, because uh, I could talk, you know, the bears of your days and, and Devin Hester and that defense and all those players, that's my wheelhouse, baby. Like we can, we can argue about the current bears till we're blue in the face, but to talk about you guys um, and the impact you had on me and, and so many fans are, that's the reason why I love the Chicago bears at the level I do. And so many other bears fans do. So you guys made a huge impact on all of us. And so basically you're to blame for the reason now that I'm in this media industry. uh, And now you have to deal with me on a weekly basis. So that's your fault. Once again, your fault. The thing about it is I I remember uh, when you're talking about pepper signed, uh, signed the Jersey for you. I remember he comes back in the locker room and he's like, He's like, oh, you know the guy brags in the stands that's always here. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like he's supposed to be a bricklayer or something. He said, he shook my hand, man. He's got these soft women hands. Man. Okay. I don't, I don't okay. know. He said, I okay. feel bad for him. That's why I got to. We got to make sure it's the sign it nice and soft. And all stuff. I'm like, damn. Okay. And uh, same same thing now because you don't lift weights. You go on the uh, yeah. treadmill and yeah. and you go sixty minutes and burn a hundred calories. So I know you're having a cup of coffee talking to the guy next to you. But anyways, <laughs> I just remember I remember Pepper saying that about you, and I was like, yeah, yeah. No. You have a good you, know, mem- you have a good memory, and, Woot. Oh, I, I, have a, I have a great memory. You know, the thing yeah, is, yeah. That, that's something I never forget. Stuff like that. I yeah, just yeah. remember the first time I shook your hand. I was like, "This guy's a bricklayer. What do you wear gloves all day?" And I'm like, "Yeah." So I know I got pictures of me and you somewhere in a shoebox somewhere. I have a picture of me and you from training camp. Uh, so I'd love to be able to find that one day. We will. We'll find it eventually. Yeah. Uh, but before we find it. I do want to give a shout out over to our guys over at DraftKings and and pay the bills here a little bit. We appreciate their sponsorship here to our show. Uh, so new customers can bet just five bucks and turn two hundred instantly into bonus bets. DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook a- app now and use the code CHGO. New customers once again can bet five bucks to get two hundred instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code CHGO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 188 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit strip restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Uh, shout out to DraftKings. Shout out to the Kansas City Chiefs who once again win the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, every time you think that they they're down and out, and you think somebody's gonna get their number, 
They just have that, that championship pedigree. They down to score so many times in this dynasty run that they're currently on now with three Super Bowl titles under their belt, but they get it done in overtime. And there's a lot I want to discuss here about this game, but I just want to get your initial reaction to the game overall itself. Yeah, I, I was I was surprised at how, how low scoring of a game it was for some pretty dynamic offenses. So I think hats off to both defenses. I thought they had a great performance. Um, I was very surprised. Shanahan was working the run game really well early on uh, with with McCaffrey, and I think they just got away from it a little bit. I, I think he was he was kind of their bell cow. You look at him, you know, I think he had 80 yards receiving, he had 80 yards rushing, uh, something along those lines. But I just I just thought they should have gave him the ball a little bit more because they were controlling that line of scrimmage, and I think you had an advantage. That's what they were struggling to do. Then they worked the play action off it, and Kansas City really struggled to generate that pressure. So. I guess I was kind of surprised. Like when you look at the stats, you're like, oh, he gave him 22 carries. I think they should have gave him over 30. He was their bell cow. He fumbled the one time. It happens. But I think they were really controlling the line of scrimmage um, and utilizing him in the run and pass game. And it was setting up Purdy for those play actions in a better. Because early on, Kansas City could not generate pressure at all. Like they, with their front four, Purdy had yep. all day out there. Yep. So I kind of just didn't understand why they got away from the run game a little bit when – I thought that's what they should have rocked with. Like, took a little pressure off Purdy. McCaffrey was was really rocking and getting him going. So, yeah, I was surprised by that. Yeah, to your point about defense, the Kansas City Chiefs secondary really had me encouraged about the Bears going for it. Everything I watch is through a Bears lens. So, watching Kansas City secondary, uh, McDuffie in particular, I mean, they really held Brandon Ayuk and Debo at bay. Like to your point, Christian McCaffrey was cooking, but they really couldn't get that much going in the past game. And there was a couple times where the, the, the 49ers might've been able to put the game away or extend their lead at certain points of the game. And either Brock Pur- Purdy couldn't connect because of an overthrow in the end zone. Or there was one time where he had a perfect ball and, and McDuffie had better defense and was oh, able yeah. to knock it down. That was early in the game. I thought, I mean, outside of Patrick Mahomes, I thought McDuffie probably had the best game of anybody on that field. Exactly. Yeah, I, I thought he played well. Some some of the plays on the ball, like his athleticism is, is unreal. It, it was good to see him. Um, Chris Jones showed up. I mean, he, he's a big guy that, you know, he's a he's a free agent this year. Um, <laughs> yeah. so it's going to be interesting what they're going to do with him. They seem like they don't want to pay him. So if you want to come to the Bears and play that three technique, we, we'll, we'll, we'll take you over here. I mean, he's, he's a real player. He can line up, you know, at, at end as well. He does that sometimes in pass rush situations. So he has versatility, but he's an absolute beast in there. Um, but, yeah, we just – See the consistent pressure from Kansas City, and I thought, like you said, the secondary did pretty well, even despite that pressure. Um, in in some big situations, you know, on some third downs, Spagnola dialed it up, you know, kind of all out blitz that led to some errant throws here and there. But I would have liked him to bring a little bit more pressure uh, throughout that game because with the front four, they just weren't consistently generating it. And w- when you look at the game in general, I think you know people put too much on the quarterback sometimes like we could go through the whole playoffs right and I thought in this game you know Patrick Mahomes showed up you know in in big time big time uh you know positions during the game and used his feet and you know at the end of the game great play call at the end but you know when we look at it performance right I thought he did okay right like I didn't think he was anything that wooed and wow you but when it came down to it right he led the drive and coaching always matters that's why I really do think Shanahan is a is a brilliant football mind, but sometimes he gets ahead of himself. That, that's two situations where hey, you can't control the special teams of what happened to that. But I do think when he should have ran the ball a little bit more consistently in this game and in the Atlanta game when Dan Quinn was the head coach, I, I just think sometimes when it gets tight, he kind of goes away from what he should do. And I think in that situation, in such a tight game, when you got arguably the best running back in the league right now, Feed them to rock, right? Because Kansas City, their defense was tired, right? They were they were getting destroyed. They were getting dominated in the run game. They were, right? They made a couple stops here or there, but consistently, right, watching the game, 
say San Francisco controlled that line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Wouldn't you agree? Yep, 100%. So that's that's why I didn't understand why he got away from that. And I think that's sometimes his downfall. Because um, you can say, oh, the special teams and this happened. But even despite all that, they should have had a chance to win that game. Um, you know, I think they, they just controlled the line of scrimmage. In any game, when you can do that, you have a great chance to win. So I would I would have hoped he would have done that. But um, Andy Reid, coaching matters. I, I think ultimately, like all of us that predicted the game, we all predicted that Kansas City. I think a big reason, obviously, is Andy Reid and the coaching and then Patrick Mahomes in game time situations and clutch situations always seems to come through. Um, but, yeah, there was there was no one that really – San Francisco to win that game, I think, because of the coaching. Coaching does matter. And going forward with the Bears situation, we're hoping that we can have an offensive coordinator that, hey, when things aren't going pretty and it's not the cleanest game in the world, you find a way to get it done. And that's what I'm hoping with Shane Waldron, whether it's Justin Fields, whether it's Caleb Williams, that he's able to put either of them in a position to succeed, even when everything's not pretty, right? The offensive line is not blocking. The wide receivers aren't catching, right? We can't really get things going in the run game. Still find a way with some principles, with some game time adjustments to get things done. Because going into half, I think people were always saying, oh, you know, San Francisco's got a chance now, man. They're probably going to win this game. I knew. I'm like, Andy Reid is going to find a way to get it done. Yep. He always does. No, I mean, they have a great coach. 100%. And a great team. I mean, I was talking about it sitting with a friend. I go, well, you know, the thing about the Chiefs now is the they almost playing with house money in a lot of ways. The other teams mm. they're constantly going to play are playing with so much pressure. The Ravens in the AFC Championship trying to get over the hump. They're at home, but they're playing nervous. Understandably so. They've never yep. won one. The Chiefs, they've been there and done that. And the more you get there, the less nerves you're going to play with. So you're they essentially last night were just leaning on the Niners to make a mistake hanging in the fight, you know, and it's like, you know, going 12 rounds in boxing and just leaning on your guy, leaning on your guy and waiting for them to make the mistake. And, you know, Patrick did throw an interception at one point and you thought maybe that was going to be the straw that would break the camel's back. But then once again, special teams, we talked a lot about it here tonight and the importance of it, you know, they muff a punt or it wasn't a muff punt. It was tipped off a guy's foot. And now all of a sudden it's up for grabs. Chiefs get the ball one play later, touchdown. Now all of a sudden it's a game. And and that that's the kind of swings of a momentum that championship teams wait for. They're not going to make, they're not going to give you the game. You got to take it. And exactly. the Niners, they just they 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 got to a point where, you know, I don't want to say they were playing not to lose because they did go for it on fourth down at one point. They did run a trick play. So that's not. I wouldn't say exactly playing not to lose, but to your point, stick with what you're good at. And they were dominating the run game. They were dominating line of scrimmage, dominating time of possession, playing keep away. And then all of a sudden they started to try to air it out a little more. And Brock party, Brock Purdy just couldn't connect on some pivotal moments, downs and distances. So uh, yeah, you get, you, you're, you're getting more uh, digs in on Shanahan uh, you know, I, I know you two have a tumultuous history. When I talked to him at the podium at the press conference, I was trying to get out of him. Like what, what makes the Shanahan tree so special? Why do so many teams when they're looking for a head coach, look for guys on the Shanahan tree. He did say that I didn't share the video because he really didn't give me that much. He was being very short with me. So he must've known we do a show together. So I'll blame you for that. But, <laughs> but, but he, he said, you know, I, Hey, I don't like when teams take my coaches. Cause that means I got one less coach to help me. Um, but yeah, so it is interesting to see him, you know, continue to falter in these moments, two super bowls. And then when he was the OC in Atlanta up 28 to three. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's tough to see, but I've told you this. Sometimes I just don't like the arrogance about him, and um, I think he's a brilliant football mind. But in these crunch time situations, that's kind of how you're judged. And there's two times now when, you know, he had, especially in the Atlanta game, I mean, you had that game on lock. And in this game, they were controlling the line of scrimmage. They were controlling the run game. And then yet again, he put a little more pressure on Brock Purdy than he should have. And I think, I think the thing is, right, Everybody was saying Brock 
Purdy's their savior and he's the best quarterback in the league and he's an MVP candidate. And he had a great year. But the thing is, you're measured by your performance in, in crunch time situations. And I think the, the tough part is he could have helped him out better. Like he could have worked the run with the play action a little bit better towards the end of the game. And sometimes I think coaches get a little bit tight. When I look at what happened with Lamar Jackson in that AFC championship game, they were completely uncharacteristic of what they normally do. Lamar is a run first quarterback. Everybody and their mother knows that, but he threw the ball 82% of the time when it was a one score game. And you're kind of scratching your head. Like what's happened. And then, then you talked about this teams play tight. So they're nervous about what to do and what not to do. Thing is you have to stick to your game plan, regardless if it's a tight game, you have to stick with your game plan right now. If we're down, you know, four scores in the second half, now we got to change some things up. But in, in that um, Baltimore game, it was not out of hand by any means. It was a one score game and it, they just kind of got away from what they do. And I think teams, you hit the nail on the head. Teams get nervous in these crunch time situations. And it's just like the Patriots for years, right? With the exception of the Tom Brady killers, the giants, they kind of found a way to beat them. But other than that, Tom Brady always found a way to come back, right? Against Shanahan and that 16 Dan Quinn team. Found a way to come back on the Falcons. They always found a way to get it done because they played loose. Thing is, you can never play tight in those situations. And it seemed like San Francisco towards the end of that game played a little bit tight. When Kansas City's always just like, relax, like we, we got this. And you knew when they were driving down on that last drive. I knew, I called it. I said, they're going to run that play where the wide receiver comes over, fakes a motion, and then comes back and they set that natural pick route. It's something they've done consistently. And everybody knows it's coming, and they couldn't stop it at all. Yep, they call, they, like call it, they call it corn dog. Yep, corn dog and for the, for the game winner. You knew it. Right when he motioned over, I go, oh, he's going to the flat. They're going to set the pick. Game over. Game blousy. And, and that's the impact about a good team, right? You're, you're, you're playing, you're playing, you're playing loose, and you, you know in your head you're going to find a way to get it done. And that's exactly what they did. And it's cool to see because I'm a big Mahomes fan. I think he's a great quarterback. I think he has a chance to be the best ever. I really do. I think he's special. I think even on the games where he doesn't perform that well, he finds a way to get it done. And I think that's the mark of a great quarterback. And I just wish sometimes that for years, with whatever quarterback was on the Bears for, for decades, like we would have had a coordinator, a head coach like him because it's unbelievable what he's been able to do for, for Patrick Mahomes' career. And Patrick Mahomes, you can never take anything away from him. He's a talented guy. But when people try to say that if he got drafted to the Bears, he'd be the same player, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. Because the thing is, you have to – he was in the perfect situation. He sat behind Alex Smith for a year, really learned the ins and out of that system. And then Andy Reid tweaked it a little bit for him. So he had a year to learn under, really understand this offense. And then Andy Reid catered it to him. And then he came out to get 50 touchdowns, but he was in the best situation with a, with a really good coach. I just, I, I don't think he would be who he is. I think it's all about where you're drafted. Same with Tom Brady. I don't think he would be the player he was if he didn't go to the Patriots. You know, everyone acts like he started out his career as the Brady that we knew towards the end of his career. That, that wasn't the case. Literally he had a great defense that carried him his first couple. And then he continued to get better and became the player that we know. And then he was pretty much lights out with the exception of the Giants in the Super Bowl. So I think where you get drafted, who's your play caller, who's your head coach, and how they cater the offense to you and how they help you develop is a big part of stuff. And everyone just thinks it's the quarterback sucking. And that, that's, not, that's not the truth at all. Um, you know, look at, look at Geno Smith. He had probably two of the worst years by a quarterback I think the league is, has probably seen. And look how he turned around his career in Seattle. So I don't think anyone would have thought he could be able to do what he was able to do under Shane Waldron. Yeah, I mean, one of the highlights of my week, you know, obviously being able to cover the Super Bowl for the first time was being able to ask a few questions to Patrick Mahomes on media night. And it's, to your point, and I agree with you, probably will go down eventually as the greatest player in NFL history. He's on the Tom Brady trajectory. And in my opinion, probably only behind Tom at this point. I don't think yeah. there's any quarterback in the league that probably has a better argument above him. When you compare talent and resume, 
and combine mm-hmm. those two. I mean, he'd be a Hall of Famer right now if he retired. So, yeah. you know, it was cool to talk to Patrick Holmes, and I did ask him about the Cliff Kingsbury, Lincoln Riley system that's brought in guys like Mahomes himself, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, and now Caleb Williams will be eventually able to come in. And he talked about how those guys – did what they could to get their strength to utilize their strengths as best they could and work on their weaknesses. And, um, you know, had some interesting answers to that. And, you know, he did feel like Caleb Williams's game will translate, but he prefaced it by saying he's got to get in the right system. He's got to have the right coaching. Uh, and he talked about how, you know, when he came into Texas tech, how cliff Kingsbury was vital in his development because he was so raw coming out of high school. And then he comes to the NFL and Andy Reed gets to get his hands on Patrick Mahomes. And Michael Vick told him early on, like Andy's going to get you right. He look at what he did for me. Cause if you remember Michael Vick's career and obviously he had to go to, to, to jail and serve time for, you know, his transgressions with dogs. But when he came back, he was one player before. And when he came back with Andy Reed, he was a totally you know, evolved player to a, to a higher level than what we saw with the Atlanta Falcons. And so it is, it it is talent's going to always win out. You're always going to be successful if you have talent, but if you want to move up to the upper echelon of greatness, you know, Mm -hmm. coaching is what's going to get you over the top. You know, Michael Jordan had, um, you know, Doug Collins as his coach. And I don't know if Michael Jordan wins six NBA titles without Phil Jackson is Michael Jordan still one of the greatest, if not the greatest player in NBA history without Phil Jackson. Yes. But is he a six time NBA champion to compare his talent with his resume that maybe, maybe not, you know, and and we'll never know for certain, but coaching is certainly a vital part supporting cast. Yeah. We weren't able to win anything without Pippen. So I think Scotty Pippen is, is very important in Michael Jordan's, uh, story and history, like not to take anything about from away from Jordan, right? Of course Arguably, not. No, he's the best player to ever play in the NBA. Yes. You know, people our generation, that that's a no brainer, right? The current generation, oh, LeBron and no, nah, Michael Jordan, but it, it's all a team game. And some people think, oh, it's it's more it's more than that. No, 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 it's a team game. It's coaching. Like when Pippen came in, it helped elevate them to the next level. And I don't believe he would have the same career as far as championships if Scottie Pippen was not there. Yeah, it works hand in hand because Pippen probably doesn't become the player he is without oh, Michael yeah. Jordan. Michael oh, yeah. Michael screamed at him to get the Pippen we know out of him. And and I think when you look at Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and the intensity they showed on the sidelines, look at what they get out of their coaches and their, and their teammates, you know, and, and I, and I, we have heard that, like, I'm not trying to over, we're not, I'm doing my best here lately, not to over talk Caleb. We've talked enough about Caleb Williams, but we have heard some of those things as far as who he was as a teammate to some of these guys at USC about pushing them to be better. And that's a great sign. I like to hear those things because that's the mark of a great player is he's going to, help get the most out of the teammates next to him. And then the teammates are going to help get the most out of who the great players are and the coaches and, and it all works hand in hand. Uh, but moving, moving off of that, cause the last topic I want to talk about before we get out of here, when it comes to the super bowl is the overtime rules, <clears throat> you know, that to me, a lot of us were caught off guard by the new rule. We understood that it was announced early in the year, but it hadn't happened yet. So then the overtime happens and they're like, oh, by the way, these are the new overtime rules for tonight. This is how it goes. And after the game, it sounded like the 49ers weren't exactly prepared for this moment. The Chiefs said they were. And there was a few players on the 49ers side of the ball that were saying that they were just learning of those rules, looking up at the Jumbotron as they're heading into overtime. What did you think of the that situation? Did you really understand what was going on with the overtime rules? And did you think the 49ers were prepared for it? So I, at first I didn't. I'm like, what the heck is he doing? There's six seconds left of the game. They were acting like it was there's nothing wrong at all. I'm like, Kansas City, what are you doing? 
And uh, then afterwards, I, I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh shoot! I guess I guess it just keeps going until their possession is over." Correct? Like that's how the rules I, are, pretty much. So somebody in the chat's gonna have to help me because I admittedly, I'm sitting there with my no. buddy. We were having a few yeah. drinks, and I'm like, I have no idea from right when they did the coin flip for overtime. Or not coin flip. Yeah, the coin flip for overtime, and trying to decide the strategy of who should take the ball first. Yeah. My head was st is still kind of spinning as to what the best strategy is. It sounds like you want to have the ball second because then you like you know like what, they were you know right. You know what you need to do, and then you can use that fourth down to your advantage. Whereas the Niners, once they got to fourth down, they kicked the field goal. But the but the but the Chiefs, they know that now. Okay, all, we have four downs to work with every time, so that changes the way you call plays on third down. So that was the first exactly. element of it. And then at the end, I still don't understand the last 20 seconds for them to not call a timeout and run the play all the way down to have one play. Now, I'm going to have to have Gary Ross, who I guarantee understands this on a better level than me. I, to me, if the clock runs out, they're moving to another overtime and starting the whole thing over. So I know it's some people are going to be like, well, it's your job to know what this is. I'm here to admit to you right now that I still have no idea what's going on. But to me, the more critical aspect of it is the Niners didn't seem to know what was going on either because players afterwards were saying they didn't understand the rules until they were set on the Trinitron above on the screen at the field during the game. Like to me, that's just mind blowing yeah. to me. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was like they continued until their possession is over. And then they would have started like if, if they just got a field goal, then they would have started another. I, I'm pretty sure. Cause they were act they were making it seem like it was no big deal that the time would run out because they'd still get they still why, get possession. That makes no sense to me because why have a clock then? They're, yeah. they're, why it, even it, have a we we gotta figure this out because if if it was the case that they were literally expecting that that once it turned zero that the game was over, that's pretty risky right there. Insane. <laughs> and then the funniest part is Okay, it, let's say that if the clock ran out, now you moved to two overtimes and they didn't understand the rule. What's crazy is they run the play and win the game. Like, you're like, <laughs> all this chaos is happening, and then all of a sudden they just say, hike, boom, touchdown, Chiefs win. Yeah. And now everybody's yeah. just kind of like, oh, never mind. Like, how, well, however that was going to play out, you know, it all goes for now because yeah, the Chiefs just win the game. Exactly. Like if the time ran out and the Chiefs still had another another player or two, and then 49ers would have been run off there like, yeah, we won. And then right. like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Dude, that's pretty just... crazy that that as a player, you don't go over that situation because you gotta think in, in a game where you kind of evenly match that there's a chance that it could go to overtime. And you always just want to prepare for whatever scenario, right? What two point plays you have, what overtime plays you have, what what plays What's your, what's your what's your latest and greatest? You know, if I need a touchdown, what do I have in this situation? Right. So you you would have just thought that they would have went over that situation in the biggest game of the year for all the marbles right here. Yep. So that's that's that is that is kind of surprising that the, their coaching staff did not go over that. Hey, you talk about latest and greatest. Uh, you're dialing up your best plays. The Chiefs dial up corn dog to win the game. And the Niners, when they were in the red zone to have a chance to go up seven, you know, they didn't seem to go to their best play. And and the Chiefs, conversely, defensively, with Spags, you know, calling some good blitzes, you know, um, you know, at the point where they blitzed the cornerback, who he gets through quickly, that was in regulation. Uh, that was a huge moment in the game and a huge play call. I thought, you know, everybody kind of gives Tony Romo crap for how he calls the game. But I thought on that particular drive, he was really breaking down what the chiefs needed to do to get off the field there and talking about, you know, the blitz. Cause to your point earlier, Corey, how they weren't getting home with four. Um, I thought Tony did a great job of kind of explaining it to the viewers. And I thought Spags, the defensive coordinator for the chiefs did a great job of dialing up some blitzes that, caught Brock Purdy off guard and the rest is history. The chiefs go on to win their third super bowl here and now are on a dynasty, you know, trek. They're already kind of in dynasty territory. So now it's just about 
trying to meet up with the new England Patriots who are one of the greatest teams in a 20 year span in all of sports history. And uh, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. So if you want to beat that team, you're going to need to have a lot of things go your way. You're going to need a lot of luck, a lot of talent, a lot of good coaching. You'll need special teams to play a big role. There's a lot of elements and I'm just glad for the bears sake that we're in the NFC and not the AFC because, you know, when you talk about the quarterback play and some of the teams that are over there with Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, you know, the list goes on and on. It just seems like Justin there's Herbert. a lot. Yeah. Alex Justin Harbaugh. Herbert. Yep. With Jim Harbaugh. There's a lot to deal with on that side of the NFL and the AFC conference. So the NFC, you know, uh, you know, certainly have some good teams with the Eagles and some other teams, but, I like where the bears are at. <clears throat> Will they be to new Orleans in super bowl 59 next year? I don't know, but <clears throat> you know, you get in the dance and you never say never look at the way the green Bay Packers finish their season. So it'll be interesting. We can save the off season discussion for another night. Uh, there was a lot of chatter, you know, going on on super bowl radio row coming off the senior bowl and shrine bowl. So it just seems to continue to elevate where we're getting to the combine, which is two weeks from today. And that's where, if you remember last year and you were there, Corey, just how palpable the imminent moves, the Chicago bears were going to make there. It'll be interesting to hear what the chatter is once we get to the combine. So um, I think that wraps things up for tonight. Uh, we got a lot to work on here in the next couple of weeks before we get to the combine. Uh, Corey, I, I really enjoyed tonight's uh, show. I thought some of those stories you shared with us with uh, playing with Julius Peppers and, and Devin Hester in your bull riding story with Mongo too. Like um, for me, it's really fun to hear as a fan. And I'm going to make sure we share those clips along. So everybody, you know, uh, that hasn't tuned in can hear these stories as well. Uh, for me as a bears fan, like I've said before, uh, you know, I know I give you a lot of shit and we give each other a lot of shit, mm -hmm. but uh, I do appreciate those years very fondly. And to your point of the 39 hall of famers, and it should be 40, 41, 42 with some of these guys you mentioned like Olin and peanut and uh Hilgenberg, Briggs. you know, Briggs, you know, Tillman, you know, all those guys to me um, because the bears can no longer retire numbers. Um, what I would like to see when they, build a new stadium, whether it's in Chicago or Arlington Heights, or if they want to bring it all the way to the region out by me, I, I need a, I need a, a place where they have statues of every hall of famer, you know, all the greatest bears of all time should have a place somewhere around the stadium where they're recognized for what they brought to this franchise and this fan base and um, a place where fans, I can take my daughter when she gets old enough and teach her the history of this team, because that's what Chicago is all about is tradition and history. And uh, Devin Hester, Julius Pepper, Steve Mongo, McMichael, uh, they made a lot of history. And uh, so it was a proud moment for all of us as bears fans and anybody that's ever, uh, you know, been lucky enough to, to wear the Jersey and step on that field on Thursday night when they all got in. Uh, and so it'll be a fun night in Canton here come August. And I hope that we'll all be able to go to it and celebrate that moment. Yeah, no, that, that that's awesome. And uh, I think just the history of the Chicago bears, it, it's been such a fun ride. And obviously, you know, the 85 bears, they take the crown, right? They, they won it all. They, they did big things. And I'm just hoping within the next two to three years, that the Bears can make a great run for the Super Bowl because I do believe they're, they're building something special. And I think they're a couple pieces away from really taking their game to the next level. And I think they're going to be a playoff team next year, regardless of whatever quarterback's in there. I think the way they're building this roster, I think the future is bright. And I, I would say I'm hoping in the next two to three years that they have a legit shot uh, at a Super Bowl. Um, I hope Poles continues to build around this team he put some of the pieces because I really think honestly that there are, you know, a wide receiver, two defensive linemen, and maybe an offensive lineman away from being a very dominant team uh, that that is challenging, you know, some of these great teams in the NFC 
um, and and have a shot at the Super Bowl. So I'm looking forward to that and seeing what we do this offseason because these these past two years, you know, last year and this year, is going to be a huge year for the for the trajectory of this Bears team. So looking forward to it. Yes, sir. All right, 73 days away, about to be 72 in a few hours from now from the NFL draft, two weeks from the combine, four weeks from NFL free agency. So a lot to cover here on CHGO Bears. Make sure you're following and subscribing to our YouTube channel. Please hit that like button on your way out. And as I mentioned on the top half of the show, um, make sure you become a diehard for all the exclusive content that you'll get, the Bears 100 draft guide that we'll be putting together the top 100 players specific to the bears needs will be available to you. Exclusive to diehards newsletters by Adam Hogue uh, that come out weekly and, and a whole bunch of other content that's exclusive to you. And you get a free shirt right out the gate discounts on any kind of merchandise going forward discounts on live events, including our draft party, which I'm sure will be announced here in just a short amount of time. We had a lot of fun last year, Corey, Adam, Mark, and I, and and um, Nick, and 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 Will Dewitt as well. We all uh, did a great job of breaking down the uh, draft for two nights in a row at Joe's on Weed Street. You get a discount on those kind of events as well when you become a diehard. So uh, make sure you go to allchgo.com/diehard to sign up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> thank you to Corey Woot uh, for hanging out as usual and giving us his words of wisdom and some of the great stories of bears of yesteryear. Thank you to everybody that's hung out here in the chat. We'll see you here tomorrow afternoon at 12 PM central with Mark, Nick Moriano and myself as Adam Hogue is on a flight out to Hawaii. We will see you here tomorrow. Thanks again for tuning in and always bear down. Y'all silly like the mayor. 